This episode is sponsored by Robin. Do you think being an orthopedic surgeon has gotten more risky? It could be because of anything, from the economy to compliance concerns. If your answer is yes, you're not alone. According to a recent survey from Robin Healthcare, nearly three out of four doctors say practicing today is more risky than it was just five years ago. It's no wonder, then, that a majority of doctors also say they're documenting more in their medical notes to protect themselves against malpractice claims, audits, and insurance denials. If that's what you're doing, you need to check out Robin. Robin does all the documentation for your patient visits and delivers notes and codes that help protect your practice. To discover how, visit robin.co slash orthobullets. That's robin.co slash orthobullets. This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of liposarcoma from the pathology section on orthobullets.com. Let's start this episode with a quick summary. Liposarcomas are a heterogeneous class of sarcomas with differentiation towards adipose tissue that consists of five different subtypes, well-differentiated, mixoid, round cell, pleomorphic, and undifferentiated. The condition is typically seen in patients 50 to 80 years of age who present with a slow-growing, painless mass. Diagnosis is made with a biopsy showing immature lipoblasts with various cellular atypia depending on the subtype. Treatment may be marginal excision for a well-differentiated liposarcoma. Wide surgical resection with radiation is indicated for intermediate and high-grade liposarcomas. Now let's get into the episode. With respect to epidemiology, as far as incidence, Liposarcomas are the second most common form of soft tissue sarcoma in adults. In terms of demographics, liposarcomas occur in older individuals defined as 50 to 80 years of age. It also affects more males than females. In terms of anatomic location, liposarcomas tend to occur deep to the fascia. They are more common in the lower extremity than the upper extremity and are common in the retroperitoneum. Moving on to etiology, in terms of pathophysiology of liposarcomas, The lipoblast, which is a signet ring-type cell, is a hallmark of liposarcomas. As far as genetics, well-differentiated liposarcomas will have an amplification of the MDM2 oncogene. Mixoid liposarcomas will have a 12-16 translocation. In terms of malignant potential of liposarcomas, metastasis risk correlates with grade-slash-subtype of liposarcoma. Low-grade or well-differentiated liposarcomas has a metastasis rate of less than 1%. Intermediate grade or mixoid liposarcomas have a metastasis rate of 10 to 30%. And finally, high grade liposarcomas will have a metastasis rate of greater than 50%. Now let's talk about the classification of liposarcoma. So in terms of histological types, liposarcoma types are related to the developmental stage of the lipoblast from which they are from. All are from the primitive mesenchymal cells. Types include well-differentiated, which is the same entity as atypical lipomatous tumor, mixoid, which is the most common and make up approximately 50% of all liposarcomas, and the other types include round cell, pleomorphic, and D-differentiated. Moving on to imaging, plain radiographs may show soft tissue calcification or ossification in well-differentiated liposarcomas. MRI in a well-differentiated liposarcoma will look similar to lipomas on MRI, that is bright on T1 and dark on T2, however may show differences in rate of growth, stranding, and or size. High-grade liposarcomas look similar to other sarcomas on MRI, that is dark on T1 and bright on T2. Although high-grade liposarcomas appear fibrogenic, they may have 10% fat composition, so they appear dark on T1 and bright on T2, 
unlike a lipoma, which images isointense to subcutaneous fat on all sequences. Finally, as far as the CT chest, abdomen, and pelvis, know that myxoid liposarcomas have a tendency for abnormal metastasis outside of the lungs. Therefore, a histologic diagnosis of myxoid liposarcoma should be evaluated with CT of the chest, abdomen, and pelvis. As far as histology, characteristic histology of liposarcomas include immature lipoblasts, which are signet ring-type cells, and characteristic histology will also include mature adipocytes. Moving on to the histology of a well-differentiated liposarcoma, that is central-slash-retroperitoneal, this entity is also known as an atypical lipomatous tumor in the extremities. These lesions are low-grade. Characteristic histology will have atypical lipoblasts, which are minimally cellular, will have a fatty stroma background, will stain for MDM2-CDK4, and will have a ring chromosome 12. Moving on to myxoid liposarcoma, characteristic histology will be low to intermediate grade, will have proliferating lipoblasts upon a myxoid stroma matrix, and keep in mind that signet ring lipoblasts may occur. Moving on to round cell liposarcoma, this is a poorly differentiated liposarcoma with characteristic small round blue cells. Pleomorphic liposarcoma is a high-grade pleomorphic tumor which will have giant lipoblasts with bizarre nuclei. Finally, a dedifferentiated liposarcoma is a high-grade sarcoma adjacent to a well-differentiated lipomatous lesion. Moving on to treatment of liposarcoma, this is always operative, and options include a marginal resection without radiotherapy and wide surgical resection with adjuvant radiotherapy. Marginal resection without radiotherapy is indicated for a well-differentiated liposarcoma. As far as outcomes, there is low risk of local recurrence, and metastasis is extremely rare. There is a dedifferentiation risk of 2% in extremities and 20% in retroperitoneal lesions. Wide surgical resection with adjuvant radiotherapy is indicated in the setting of intermediate-grade liposarcomas and high-grade liposarcomas. As far as outcomes, radiation decreases local recurrence, chemotherapy may be beneficial in selected patients, and myxoid liposarcomas with greater than 10% round cells have high likelihood of metastasis. Finally, let's end this review session talking about the prognosis of liposarcomas. So remember that lipomas do not predispose a patient to a liposarcoma. Well-differentiated liposarcomas exhibit less than 10% local recurrence rates and less than 1% chance of metastasis and almost complete survival. With appropriate treatment, intermediate and high-grade liposarcomas show approximately 20% risk of local recurrence, but they exhibit 5-year survival between 25 to 50%. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic might be tested. First question. A 56-year-old woman presents with a left gluteal mass. MRI is obtained and shows a mass within the gluteus maximus that is hyperintense on T1. He undergoes a biopsy of the mass and immunohistochemistry stains positive for the MDM2 amplification. Histology reveals atypical lipoblasts, minimal cellularity, and fatty stromal background. Which of the following is the best treatment? And the choices are 1. Amputation 2. Chemotherapy 3. Radiotherapy 4. Marginal resection and 5. Wide resection The correct answer to this question is for marginal resection. So the patient has an atypical lipomatous tumor, or ALT, which is also known as well-differentiated liposarcoma, or WDL, which is differentiated from a benign lipoma by the MDM2 oncogene amplification. 
Atypical lipomatous tumor slash well-differentiated liposarcoma or a neoplasm of adipocytes with atypia. The differentiation between a benign lipoma and an atypical lipomatous tumor slash well-differentiated liposarcoma may be a diagnostic challenge by MRI alone, as they both demonstrate homogeneous signal intensity identical to fat, which is high on T1 and low on T2. The MDM2 oncogene amplification differentiates atypical lipomatous tumor slash well-differentiated liposarcoma and dedifferentiated liposarcomas as benign lipomas and other soft tissue sarcomas do not stain positive for MDM2. Marginal resection in both lipomas and atypical lipomatous tumor slash well-differentiated liposarcoma is an acceptable treatment option. As local recurrence may occur, patients should be monitored for recurrence. Moosey et al., performed a study to identify the best surgical approach to atypical lipomatous tumors in optimizing local recurrence-free survival, decreasing the incidence of secondary dedifferentiation and recurrence. They reported that the negative prognostic factors for tumor local recurrence included sclerosing subtype and that marginal resection was associated with a lower risk of tumor rupture than simple resection. They recommended a preoperative core needle biopsy to identify the sclerosing subtype and concluded the major muscle and neurovascular resections were not necessary. Arani et al. performed a study to evaluate the recurrence after marginal resection of atypical lipomatous tumors compared to benign lipomas. They reported a 0% and 14% recurrence rate for lipomas and atypical lipomatous tumors at 4 years respectively. They recommended long-term follow-up for patients with atypical lipomatous tumors as late recurrences may occur. Brisson et al. performed a study to determine the reliability of MRI features in distinguishing lipomas and atypical lipomatous tumors. They reported that lipomas and atypical lipomatous tumors have overlapping MRI features. They recommended that the distinction between the two entities be based on molecular pathology rather than imaging. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, amputation, answer 2, chemotherapy, and answer 3, radiotherapy are all incorrect as these options are inappropriate for atypical lipomatous tumors slash well-differentiated liposarcoma, which can be treated with marginal resection. Answer 5, wide resection is incorrect as this would be an aggressive form of treatment for atypical lipomatous tumor slash well-differentiated liposarcoma. And moving on to the final question. A 47-year-old woman with no past medical history undergoes a workup for a 5-centimeter thigh mass deep to the fascia. Needle biopsy resulted in undifferentiated pleomorphic sarcoma. What is the most important factor in preventing recurrent local disease after resection? And the choices are 1. Use of preoperative chemotherapy with wide resection. 2. Use of preoperative and postoperative chemotherapy with wide resection. 3. Radiation alone. 4. Adequacy of surgical margin and 5. Use of chemotherapy only. The correct answer to this question is 4. Adequacy of surgical margin. So the risk of local recurrence in soft tissue sarcoma is most directly related to the adequacy of surgical margin. While radiation can be used to supplement surgery, it cannot take the place of adequate surgical margins. Noria et al. retrospectively reviewed 65 patients referred to their oncologic center for sarcomas with residual disease following resection. The authors did not find any correlation between the amount of residual disease and initial size, grade, or treatment regimen. They recommended that the most important factor to prevent recurrence was wide resection with clear margins. Venkatesan et al. reviewed 42 patients that presented with residual disease following unplanned excision of high-grade sarcomas without planned biopsy. 
These patients had devastating results, leading the authors to definitively conclude that, quote, excision of deep or large soft tissue masses without tissue diagnosis is unacceptable. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer one, use of preoperative chemotherapy with wide resection. Answer two, use of preoperative and postoperative chemotherapy with wide resection. Three, radiation alone. And five, use of chemotherapy alone are all incorrect, as the gold standard remains wide resection with clear margins for undifferentiated or high-grade pleomorphic sarcomas. That's all for this review about liposarcoma. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow OrthoBullets on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the OrthoBullets podcast.